Good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Welcome to everyone in the venue and all those watching online at carneyefree.com as well. My, my name is Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at this church. Great to, to worship together. Great worship, though, this morning. Thankful for our worship team leading us well once again, and uh, Charles and the, those announcements. And I would just reiterate well, what Charles just said. If you're looking a way to make a difference here though this summer, or maybe you say, I haven't yet found an area to join the mission, a great way to do that is with eFree Kids. Just a couple times over the course of this summer to step into that summer serve opportunity. That's a tremendous way to help, particularly our teachers who serve week in and week out across the whole year. Some of them take a little bit of a break over the summer, and you can chip in for the benefit of our kids that way on Sunday mornings, just a few times though this uh, coming summer. Thanks for your consideration of that. Well, uh, we are in our uh, series, Broken to, Bro- Broken to Beautiful, in uh, 1 Corinthians, and you can turn there with me. First Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll be here this morning. Um, but as I start here, uh, I'll share a little bit about myself. I love a really good hike, and there's some huge mountains here in Nebraska. I love a really, really good hike up a really challenging mountain. There's something about like the majesty and the rigor of it that just kind of agrees with my soul. And um, I like to collect uh, trail maps as I go to different places. And uh, this is a, a trail map of Rocky Mountain National Park, which is one of my favorite places to go visit and to hike. And inside this, you can't see all the details, but Uh, This is kind of a keepsake trail map at this point because I've highlighted different trails that I've hiked there over the years. And then I make note of other ones that I'd like to go hike there in the years to come. And uh, this is a helpful map because it shows like some elevation gain along the way. It shows some streams that you're gonna have to pass on your hikes. It even gives you some information about wildlife that you might encounter along the way be good to know that there might be some moose or some bears or some mountain lions. So there's, there's a lot of good information in a trail map. But you know, a trail map cannot hold a candle to a really good trail guide. If you get a really good trail guide who's been on a really tough 14er, for example, they can tell you not just how much elevation change you might be dealing with, they'll tell you when the elevation change begins to get dangerous. They'll tell you where is the most narrow place to cross the streams so you're not all wet while you're hiking. Like a good trail guide could tell you not just that there's mountain lions and bears in the national park, they'll tell you where they are, which is good information to have, and whether the bears in the national park have developed a taste for human food. You see, a good trail map, while it's really beneficial, can't really hold a candle to a good trail guide because a trail guide has been up the mountain before and so they're able to reveal to you things that are coming which will be difficult that you're not yet thinking about yourself. It seems to me that many churches have lots and lots of trail maps but not nearly enough trail guides. You know what I'm saying? Many, many churches have all kinds of trail maps. We got like video series upon video series on how to follow Jesus from the best teachers and the most charismatic leaders all across America. And we have all kinds of books 
telling us how how to follow Jesus. And we have different seminars, and and each of those things are helpful, kind of like a trail map is helpful. But what we lack oftentimes in the church today, the broader church really across America, I notice as I talk to pastors, is we lack disciple makers who would be reproducers, who would be able to say, hey, come and follow me because I've been up this mountain before. Today, as we look to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to encounter a man. We've been talking about him as we've gone through this book. His name is the Apostle Paul, and he is unafraid to take up the mantle of being a trail guide. He is unafraid to say, come on, you can follow me. Because I've been on this path before, I've been walking on this path for a number of years now, and I know some of the challenges that are coming before us, and I'm not afraid to invite you, even though I am far from perfect myself, I'm not afraid to invite you to come and follow me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting this morning at verse 8, and we'll go through verse 21, I Hope you feel liberty to mark up your Bible with me as we read. Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich, Paul tells the Corinthians. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have all been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. What Paul has in mind here as he's talking about a spectacle is the Roman procession where people who are condemned to, condemned to die go into uh, face the gladiators and face the lions and they made a spectacle before people. He says, that's us, the apostles, and that was indeed the apostles in the first century. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. Do you take just a little bit of sarcasm here based on our study of 1 Corinthians? I hope you do. Paul is being sarcastic well with his church here when he calls them wise, well when he calls them strong He's actually quite upset with his church, but because of their arrogance, which we will get into here in a moment. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless, when we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth the garbage of the world, right up to this present moment. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even as you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant 
as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have, for the kingdom of God is not about talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love and with a gentle spirit? Father, we ask that you would guide us here this morning as we seek to open up and unpack your word, which I believe to be true, we would invite you to whisper to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you cut us where we need to be cut? And Holy Spirit, would you comfort us where we need to be comforted? We pray, Lord, in the midst of all we're thinking about right now, we each have many things on our minds, different responsibilities that we tend to. We ask for these moments together that you would quiet our hearts, that we could hear the truth of your word and begin to apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord, and we give ourselves to you now through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. So Paul's singular point in this entire passage is you can imitate me. Everything that he's saying there in the entire passage boils down to this. You can imitate me. As I go about following Christ in everything, I would invite you to follow my example. The word for imitate there in the Greek language, which the New Testament is written in, is mimesis. And mimesis is what we get the word mimic from in English. It's also the what we get the word mime from in English. You think of a mime imitating someone perfectly. And so also we are invited to mimic Paul, he says here. We are invited to mimic him as he would mimic Christ. He's saying that I've walked this road before. I've gone through some of the difficult valleys. I've been up to the difficult rivers and the various boulders that you can encounter on the way of following Christ. I know a thing or two about this really difficult long journey toward Christ, and I would invite you to follow me. Now, for us here today, do you know that you're a leader? You're a leader. You may be a leader of one, and that's okay. You're responsible at the very least for leading yourself, right? In all likelihood, you're a leader of more than one person. You probably also are a leader of a couple kids or maybe grandkids or one or two people in your life group or in your neighborhood or your workplace who look up to you. All of us are leaders today, amen? You're a leader today. Whether you think of yourself that way or not, would you embrace the mantle of leadership? That's the question. You are a leader. The question is, will you embrace the mantle of leadership. What Paul's going to do here in this passage, what I want to communicate here for the remainder of the message, is a few different ways that we can grasp the mantle of leadership and take more seriously what it would look like to become a trail guide for a few others. Again, there's lots and lots of trail maps, but what we need today in the church is trail guides. Here's the first one. A great trail guide has a desire, has a desire to lead followers toward Christ. It's this burning desire in us who follow Christ that we would be able to lead others 
First ourselves, and then perhaps one or two other people, as the Lord would give to us, maybe many more, a desire to help them follow Christ as they are following us. That we would lead people more and more toward Christ. And this, my friends, is what the Apostle Paul wants the most. He wants his followers to grow up. He wants his church to grow up. He wants his church to begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. You see it throughout this passage, verse 14. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you. I want to warn you to follow Christ more and more, to be aware of your arrogance, which is getting you down as a church family in Corinth. I'm writing to warn you. Verse 15, he goes on to say, you've had many guardians in Christ, that is, you have various acquaintances who might speak to you about your spiritual life or seek to provide guidance in your life, but you have only one spiritual father. Now, Paul's not bragging there. He's simply stating the truth that he was their spiritual father. He was the one who started this church in Corinth, and he's the one that introduced many of the people in this little church that probably would have been about 50 people there in Corinth. He was the one that introduced many of them to the gospel of Christ for the very first time. And these folks in this church, well, would have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which freely forgives them of their sins, regenerates them, gives them new life, and then brings them into God's family with all the privileges and benefits therein. They embrace that gospel, and Paul's bringing them back to that center and saying, you embrace the gospel through the word that I gave to you. I delight to be your spiritual father. Would you please listen to me? That's what he's saying. He goes on, he says, because of this, I'm, I'm urging you to imitate me. As I have followed Christ, I urge you to imitate me. He goes on in chapter 11 and states it even more explicitly. Here it says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. In chapter 11 he says, imitate me as, as I imitate Christ, right. So anyone who's a spiritual guide who's inviting you to follow them, the key is, are they following Christ? That's the key. Are they following Christ? He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then he says, I, I'm, I'm going to send to you Timothy. I can't be with you right now, but I'm going to send to you my disciple, my young son Timothy. And he will come and he will teach you the same things that I taught you before. And he'll demonstrate my way of life to you as together we seek to follow Christ. And what's kind of fascinating here is Paul sends Timothy is Timothy was a really young man. Uh, Timothy would later on, about a decade after this, he would become the pastor of the church in Ephesus, Greece, another city in Greece. And as he's the pastor there, Paul writes to him two different times, in First and Second Timothy, and he's the pastor there at probably age 30 in Ephesus. He's the lead pastor there. Now this is 10 years prior to that. Paul says, I'm sending to you Timothy, and he will be a great example to you. Young ladies, young fellas, we're looking to you, okay? Like, it doesn't matter what age you are. You don't have to be an old fogey like me to be an example for Christ. This is for all of us. And so we oftentimes need to look to, to the young people, even amongst us, though, that they would step up and be leaders for Christ more and more. 
we desperately need them to, to be examples for Christ for us, and we all need to take up that mantle as well. It goes on after that. Uh, Paul kind of concludes, well, with a number of questions here. In verse 21, he says, What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love with a gentle spirit? Which one would you prefer that I come to you with? Classic dad question, right? You want the rod of discipline, or you want love and a gentle spirit? What do you think I want, dad? Now, Paul's point here is, I'm, doing to, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I want this so much for you that you would join me on the journey of following Christ more and more that I'll come to you with toughness at times or I'll come to you with tenderness at times. The rod of discipline, if necessary, or gentleness and love, if necessary, as a good father always does. You see, Paul's singular aim was to help people become reproducers for the cause of Christ. Paul would want to take spiritual seekers, maybe you're in the room today and you're just asking questions about Jesus, and that's great, we're so glad that you're here. You may not know what we're talking about here though that much as we open up the Bible, that's fine. Come as long as you like in that place and keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on asking questions. We want that. People are at every stage of development in this room. And what Paul would do is take these who are spiritual seekers and say, your doubts are welcome. That's fine to have doubts. But my hope is that you would come to know the death and the resurrection of Christ for you. Do you come to be believers in Christ? And out of that, I don't want you just to be believers in Christ. My hope is that you move forward to becoming reproducers for Christ. Those who would say, I imitate Christ, and because he was constantly reproducing, I also am a reproducer for the cause of Christ. The good news of Jesus doesn't stop with us, amen? The good news of Jesus is supposed to go through us and on to others. And friends, this is really what we're about here. Like you think about our mission statement at Carnegie Free, I'll put it up on the, on, the, on the screen here, and I'd invite you to read this out loud with me. This is what we're about as a church family. Would you join me in the venue and here in the auditorium? Please read this out loud. We are building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. Now the key word there is transformation. We want to see change. We don't want to stay the same, do we? We want to change and be more and more like Christ. And so we have a really simple discipleship process that we invite everyone to join into. That you come into church on Sunday morning and you gain the truth of the gospel each and every week. But that's not enough. That's attending. Then you move next to engaging through a single life group, a group of men or a group of women or couples maybe through Men's Forge or a Monday women's group or a couple's life group where you engage in the study from Sunday morning or some other study that you do and you might pick apart your message and say, I really didn't understand what Adrian was talking about there. How about you? Well, I didn't understand either. Let's go to the Bible and try to understand. Well, great. Like, that's how you learn. That's how you grow in community. 
It's critical, though, that we have that. And then from there, that we would join the mission because we need to engage the head and the heart and the hands. And that's our basic process for discipleship, for that word, transformation. This is what we're after here, is to build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. Last week, I saw a transformation in such a beautiful way. We took a few moments um, last, after, last week on a, a Tuesday afternoon to give thanks for Aaron Ferguson. And uh, Pastor Aaron has done a fantastic job with our C20 College and Young Adult Ministries for, for the past five years. And he's, uh, he's going to move on. He's taken a lead pastor position in Virginia. He's going to be a senior pastor. And we're very excited for him, even though we're sad for us. And uh, he's done a wonderful job well, with college students over these past five years. And so we took some time together as a staff and just blessed him and encouraged him and thanked him for the work that he's done. And what we heard again and again was, you cared about discipling people. You cared about building into the next generation. And there's one young man who's an intern in that ministry. His name is Saw Hitu. I might be mispronouncing that, Saw. If so, I'm sorry. But Saw said, I was Aaron's intern in C20. And from the day that I was baptized, Aaron began discipling me. And he brought me into his home. And I saw his way of life with his wife. And I saw his style of ministry and the way he discipled. And he became a mentor to me. And he was my discipler. And he became a friend to me, but more than a friend, he was like an older brother to me. He's the one that put the spiritual deposit into me and grew me. Like, that's father language, isn't it? He was a spiritual father to me. And my friends, that more than a full year of sermons is powerful for transformation. That more than any video series by any worldwide, world-class teacher that you're watching by video is powerful for transformation. It's the in-blood, it's, it, it's, it's the flesh, it's, it's being in the flesh with people that you see the quality of their life over time. You see when they make mistakes, you see how they apologize, you see how they love people well, you follow them as they follow Christ. You see what they want most for you. What they desire most for you is that you likewise would follow Christ with heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need trail guides like that. We also need these kinds of trail guides. We need trail guides who expect pain and are able to persevere through that pain. Come on, somebody. Who expect pain and are able to persevere through that pain. Anybody with me today? Okay, like the Bible does not promise us a panacea, does it? The Bible promises us in Christ that we will have pain. Look at verses 11 through 14. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this present moment. 
Not exactly the most glamorous portrait of ministry, is it? If you want to become a pastor or a missionary, I promise you, it is not for the faint of heart. I promise you that. In fact, I would say, don't become a pastor or a missionary if there's anything else that you think is more important than exalting Christ and making his name known. If you think that's the most important thing and you believe that God might be calling you to that, then by all means, go after it. But you won't be able to do it if you don't believe exalting Christ and making his name known is the most important thing in the world. Because it's incredibly exhilarating to be in full-time ministry, but at other times, I'm just telling you, it's not that fun. Now, when I read a passage like this, I gotta admit, I feel like such a wimp. Like when I think of our brothers and sisters overseas, when I think of what the Apostle Paul and what the early apostles and other followers of Christ dealt with as they pursued Christ, well, when I think of our brothers and sisters who are serious about following Christ in places like Turkey and the Middle East and India and in China and increasingly also in places in the West like France and Ireland and many, many other nations in the West that used to be nations that had lots and lots of Christians. Increasingly, though, they're experiencing exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing about here, that they are thought of as the scum of the earth, which is like a much bigger deal than high gas prices, Right? Like, this should remind us to pray for, for these folks. Pray for the persecuted church around the world. And for us, the warning here is, if we are constantly striving for comfort or prosperity or a life of pleasure, if that's what you are striving for, you will not be able to be a good trail guide for Christ. You just won't be able to. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have some comfort or prosperity or pleasure, but if that's what is like your heart's content, if that's what you're striving for, you won't be able to be a good trail guide for Christ. Because good trail guides for Christ anticipate pain and then they endure it because they know they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Good trail guides for Christ practice self-restraint. Self-restraint. They live beneath their means so that they can give more to others and to the cause of Christ in the world. They practice self-control when other people insult them. Great trail guides for Christ will anticipate these kinds of things when we are cursed we bless. Can you do that? When you're cursed, you bless. Yes, you can through the power of Jesus Christ in you. You can. If you're living in and through the power of the Holy Spirit every day, leaning into his love, receiving his love, and then living from his love, you can exchange blessing for insult. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. And friends, those who are serious followers of Christ simply expect those things and they operate in a different way when they come. 
we, we don't see people as enemies. Like other people might see us as enemies, but we don't see anyone as enemies. The moment you see someone as an enemy, you can't reach them. You realize that, right? Like if you think of Democrats as enemies, you won't be able to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think of Republicans as enemies, you won't be able to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think of, of other people on other sides of our various cultural divides in our country today, I promise you all you will do is argue with them. You will not reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just the way it is. If you see people as enemies, you will not love people. When we're slandered, we answer with kindness. This is the way a trail guide lives. It's just very different, though, than the rest of the world. And we would anticipate these kinds of things would happen to us because we, like, we read the Bible, right? Like, it's all over the place, isn't it? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> this is just what happens to Christians. And, like, do we believe in human nature? Human nature's pretty bad, right? So expect it. Expect to be cursed. Expect to be persecuted. Expect to be slandered. Answer with kindness. If you take the high road, I promise you this, you won't deal with much traffic. Okay? There won't be much traffic up there. It'll be a really, really easy drive. Okay? Repay kindness for ugliness that comes to you. That's what a great Christian trail guide does through the power of Christ inside them. James 1 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when you experience pain and you persevere through it, makes you mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Perseverance will finish its work in you so that you be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. We expect pain, we expect ugliness fall from this world, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we persevere through that pain. And when you see someone that you're looking up to live in that way, it's powerful to motivate you in a way that a book or a video never could be. Number three, a great trail guide does this. A great trail guide is this. He or she is a humble servant. Really, chapters one through four of 1 Corinthians is all about this contrast between prideful and powerful leadership on one hand, which is being displayed by the Corinthian church. It's all about their pride. It's all about their power. It's about their lust to be in power. That's what's going on in 1 Corinthians 1, one through four. Contrasted with the example of the apostle Paul and the other apostles, which is the example of servant leadership. It's humble service. That's why at the beginning of chapter four, Paul says, this is how you ought to regard all of us as servants of Christ and as those who are entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. 
Regard me as merely a servant. That's all I am, Paul says. This is a really, really big deal in Greek culture because as Jordan said a few weeks ago, the Greeks did not value servants. There were leaders, there were teachers, there were rulers, and there were servants. And if you were a servant, you were less than, to which Paul says, that is all I am. That's all I am, I'm a servant. The Greeks likewise didn't believe in like working with your hands if you were a teacher or a philosopher or a leader. That was considered beneath the level of a good teacher. A good teacher shouldn't ever work with his hands. And Paul says, I happily get my hands dirty with you. The Greeks elevated one teacher over another teacher. I'm with Apollos. I'm with Paul. I'm with Peter. I'm with the most charming, the most eloquent, the wittiest flavor of the month in the church. To which the Apostle Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all, I, that's all I decide to know amongst you. Don't identify yourself with me. You can follow me. By all means, you're welcome to follow me, but don't identify with me. Identify with Christ because we know nothing but, him and Christ, but, but Christ and him crucified. The true spiritual leader is a humble servant. That's why the scriptures tell us repeatedly, not once, but twice, God literally opposes the proud. So nobody calls themselves proud. But like, if you're prideful in your spirit, you need to look in the mirror. And you need to do business with God. Because he will oppose it. Maybe you won't experience his opposition today, but I promise you, you will experience his opposition one day. It's a promise. God opposes the proud but conversely, he shows favor. He shows blessing. He shows grace. He showers gifts upon the humble. And we all should be humble when we recognize the greatness of God and our own smallness compared to the greatness of God. Like the natural articulation of our heart should be, he must increase, I must become less. These are examples to follow. And someone that we would follow as a great trail guide, like, they're humble. Deep at a heart level, they know they're not much. And they're able to endure pain. And what they want from me most is not to be converted to their way of thinking, it's to be converted to Christ. That's what they want the most, is for me to grow and to follow Christ above everything. So let me just close out here with a couple application questions. Here's the first one. Two quick application questions, and I'll stop. First question is this. Are you a person worth imitating? Seriously. Like online? In your life group? In your neighborhood? Are you a person worth imitating? And to whatever extent you're not worth imitating, you just bring that to Jesus. And you say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you, I'm not worth imitating in this area. I'm asking you to transform my character in this area. And I have those areas too. We all do. Every single one of us. And to regularly come before God and say, I am not worth imitating by my own children in this area of life, and I confess that to you, O oh God. What is it for you? Question number two, do you have a trail guide? 
Do you have one or two trail guides in your life that you look up to and you say, at least in some area of life, they're a little bit further down the road than I am and I want to follow them as they follow Christ? And this, my friends, is the reason that we emphasize life groups as much as we do because we all, we all have only so much relational bandwidth and hopefully through a life group, we would develop one or two trail guides that are a little bit further along than we are in certain areas of life and we would see their way of life and we'd begin to emulate that. I'm so thankful in my life group, like there's this guy who is just so excited. He works for a larger company in town and he is so excited to tell people about Jesus Christ whenever he gets the opportunity to do so. And he always does it with a hopefulness in his voice. And if they're not interested in Christ anymore, he loves them all the same. And he's seen many people come to Christ in his workplace as a result of the way he is so lovingly testified to them about the hope that he has in Jesus Christ. He's an example for me. There's another man in my life group who has persevered through pain for like 13 years. He's, perse he's persevered through a lot of personal and family pain and even the pain of injustice and he always has a smile on his face as he goes through it. And he always recognizes that Jesus is above it all and I trust in Christ through it all and he is a trail guide for me on how to do that. There's a couple in our group that are so amazing at hospitality at bringing strangers in and people from different backgrounds and different belief structures and bringing us into a life group where we all can feel safe and warm and welcomed and to grow together right where we are. Those guys are tremendous trail guides for me on hospitality and I need them, I look up to them that I become more like Christ by following them. There's just this recognition that we all need to come to that Sunday morning is good, but Sunday morning ain't enough, right? Sunday morning ain't enough. We need a small group community. We need a choose community. And within that small group community, maybe today you'd fill out a connection card, you'd go out to the life group kiosk, and you say, today is the day that I will commit to entering into community with the prayer that perhaps I could find a couple others that I could look up to on this journey toward Christ that like is way more difficult than any 14er, right? Way more difficult than any 14er is following Christ across all of life. So I need a few examples that would say to me, Adrian, come on, follow me as I follow Christ. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you that uh, this is your will for our lives. We praise you, God, that you don't leave us in a place that we gotta be on our own. But instead, Lord, the way you made us is for community. You made us to need examples, people in the flesh that we can look up to who are a little bit further along in the journey than we are. And I just praise you for all the people in this room, all those watching online, all the folks in the, in the venue who have already embraced that call. We have so many people in our church who have already embraced the call to be reproducers for the cause of Christ. And others of us today are still waiting. And maybe today would be the day that you would invite us in, that we would take a little bit more seriously. I want to be one who could lead others toward more of Christ. 
And so, Father, any areas of our lives that we say we fall short, we just admit that to you now. What falls short in my character that I need to surrender to God and ask for his help with? We admit that to you right now. Father, for all of us, would you give us perseverance to endure the pain that is inevitably part of this world? That we would be the kind of trail guides who could answer slander and persecution and physical pain with kindness and love and trust in you. And we use this as an opportunity to pray for our brothers and sisters overseas. There are so many across the world who are enduring great persecution as they stand strong for Christ, sometimes at the risk of their own homes, sometimes at the risk of their own churches, sometimes at the risk of their very lives. We pray, God, that you would help them to persevere under pain. And we ask, God, that you would come through. And perhaps even in some of these nations, the blood of the martyrs would be the seed of the church. The church would spring up with great power all across the world and even here in central Nebraska as well. We love you, Lord. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen.